All right, welcome to the 16th episode of the State Hornet News Podcast. This will be the final episode of the semester, and I, the final episode with me, Will Coburn, your podcast editor. And today in studio, I have the State Hornet Editor-in-Chief, Margaret Beal, and we're going to talk about a story you reported on last week. And this week, it's still ongoing a little bit, right? Yes, it is. All right, so the story is, uh, at least it developed uh, as you're working on it, uh, this organization, uh, the gym Calfit, uh, was removed from being allowed to table at Sac State, correct? Yes. So how'd that happen? Um, so I think it's important to go back to the beginning of my reporting because mm-hmm. CalFit being removed uh, as a tabling vendor on campus is something that happened pretty far into my reporting. Um, I started reporting on this about two weeks ago because uh, the State Hornets faculty advisor, Sue Van Aresdale, had run into one of his uh, co-workers, I guess you could say. He's an adjunct faculty member in the Communication Studies Department. His name is Chris Patterson. And Chris had told him a story that struck Stu um, that was a little bit troubling about Chris's experience with helping uh, a student that he has, an international student who is quoted in my story, with an experience that he had with Calfit where he feels like he was taken advantage of um, in part because of being an international student, but mostly he just felt like the CalFit representative who signed him up for a membership misrepresented himself, misrepresented what he was signing up for. And so this professor told Stu about what was going on and Stu forwarded me his contact information and I kind of went from there. And so you had that one story. Uh, As you were investigating uh, that, uh, what did you find before CalFit was removed? So before CalFit was removed, uh, I was doing a little bit of digging and the timing was interesting because a week or about a week after I interviewed the professor and the international student who did request anonymity out of fear of retribution just because he is an international student, I came across this Reddit thread on the uh, CSUS subreddit and it was a student who very similarly to the international student, was talking about how he felt like he was being, um, I think that the term he used for the subreddit was scammed. Uh, He was being scammed by CalFit, essentially, uh, where, you know, he was charged a $300 cancellation fee, which he had not been made aware of when he uh, signed up at the table um, in front of the university library. So once I came across that thread, it became clear to me that this was not an isolated incident, that this is something that other students were experiencing. And so um, one of the State Hornet reporters, he reached out to the original poster and he directed him to me. And so then I talked to him. Um, And there were so many parallels between his story and the international student story. So clearly this was not isolated. And so from there, there was just more sort of reporting. Um, there was a little bit more of just assessing where the story was going. And then uh, we had been trying to get in contact with uh, student organizations and leadership, which is the organization on campus that handles tabling vendors. And they hadn't been very specific about their relationship with CalFit. There was a bit of back and forth and 
they finally got back to us this past Friday and they told us that um, they sort of explained the nature of the financial aspect of the university's relationship with CalFit. And then they kind of dropped in there that CalFit had been removed as a tabling vendor on campus. When you say the university's financial relationship with CalFit, uh, does the CalFit pay to table on campus or was the university getting a cut of anything? As far as we know, uh, CalFit paid $114 a day in order to table on campus. So that included uh, parking fees and just the, the fee for actually uh, tabling as a vendor on campus. And so as well, as students, organization, and leadership, student organizations and leadership, there we go, uh, they, uh, did they give you any explanation for why the removal had happened? At the time, they did not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew as soon as we got that email that that was enough to write the story. Um, that was the news peg that we needed, really, um, in order to just kind of push it out. Um, I'm pretty careful in my reporting. I try to get all my bases covered and... I had reached out to CalFit. I had reached out to the uh, sales manager who was involved in these students' experiences, and I knew that it was time to publish that story because uh, CalFit had been removed with no explanation from Seoul. The explanation didn't come until Monday, Monday afternoon, where they told us that CalFit was removed because, um, I forget the exact wording, but it was essentially because students had had negative experiences with them and because they felt like some of their staff members had behaved in a way that wasn't um, well-suited to the university community. Have you gotten any word back from CalFit? Yes. So it's funny. I was supposed to have an interview with them on Monday morning, and that interview had been scheduled before the story was published, before... Uh, Seoul Student Organizations and Leadership let us know that CalFit was no longer welcome on campus. And as soon as I got that email, and then subsequently once the story was actually published, I had this feeling, because it's happened before, that the mm, interview with CalFit on Monday was not going to happen. So I double-checked with them on Sunday, and I think that at that time they hadn't yet actually read the story But sure enough, Monday morning, uh, 9 a.m., when our interview was scheduled, rolls around, and I don't get a phone call. Um, And about an hour later, I got an email from the director of marketing, Michelle McCauley, who I had been in contact with. And she told me that she read the story and that she wanted to clarify a couple of points. And what she wanted to clarify was that she wanted to make sure that... the state hornet and I guess our audience was aware that there is an additional uh, contract acknowledgement that's signed as part of signing up for a membership where it clearly states that it's not a one month retrial. It is a 12 month membership. If you don't cancel within five days, there are cancellation fees associated. And she sent me the uh, contract acknowledgement. And then she also told me that she had confirmed that the student who was actually named in the story, so not the international student, but um, Alex Nguyen had signed that form. And so I wanted to verify that that was true. So I reached back out to him and he told me that he must have signed it if she said that he did, but that 
because he feels like he was rushed through the process, he doesn't even remember seeing that form. Mm -hmm. uh, are there any other types of uh, situations you find in, in your reporting from other students, types of stories they told uh, that they told about problems they've had with CalFit, or are they all kind of in the same vein of uh, this thing that looks like a free trial is actually 12 months of subscription? Well, I think at the core, that's just the recurring problem. And from comments that we've received on our website or on social media where we've posted the story, it seems like more people are coming forward with the same experience. But one thing that struck me when I was uh, interviewing the international student is that he did mention that he remembered the sales manager identifying himself as a member of the well. And that's something that's kind of unique to him. And I asked him if he thought that the fact that he was an international student played a factor into it. And he told me that he thinks that the fact that he doesn't speak English as well um, must have played a factor. And I mean, you know, of course, because the sales manager hasn't gone back, I really have no way to independently confirm whether or not this is true, but that is what the source said. So... Um, I'd also like to point out you are the editor-in-chief here at the State Hornet, and this is our first semester. We've gone fully digital. Uh, we said goodbye to print last semester. Over the summer, we retooled some things so we can have a fully digital format. Uh, we are all online. We live on social media, and we have more digital formats. We've done a lot more video. We've done a lot more work on social media and, of course, podcasts here. Uh, you, as an editor-in-chief, how has managing that transition gone for you? I mean, to be honest, I think most people expect it to be difficult or for there to be some some bumps in the road. And of course, you know, as as with leading any publication, of course, there have been some adjustments to be made. But overall, uh, having been part of the State Hornet when we did have a print issue, I think eliminating that really took out something that took away so much time. Um, because, I mean, for anyone that's been involved in a student newspaper and any news organization really that has a print edition you know how much time and effort goes into designing uh, print and goes into putting together packages or, or themed issues and I think that that work while really valuable and really remarkable it was taking away from the experience of what it's like to work in a newsroom today and what it's like to work in newsrooms that are fully digital or that are digital first because that's the reality of the industry now I think and so overall I feel like the transition was smooth uh, it made us more accessible uh, I remember walking by our racks last semester and noticing that a lot of the time they were full and that to me says that the way that our audience is accessing our content is not via the print edition it's via social media because that's how we get a lot of our readers is through that. So ultimately, if we're really gonna serve our audience, uh, digital only is the best way to go. And I'm just really proud of the way that uh, the staff has collaborated to just create amazing content that is online only. And uh, so it was the first semester we've done this. Uh, now that you've kind of gotten a taste of what it's like to be fully digital, do you have any plans going forward? Um, I mean, I think I would like to see a lot of continuity in what we've been doing. So 
continuing our podcasts, mm-hmm. right, that we're on right now, uh, which is, I think, an incredible outlet. And it's been amazing that we've been able to do that. Um, I would like to see us continue to explore uh, just more multimedia treatments, play around with the website, see what we can do there, uh, continue with an abundance of video content, which is very popular and it's a very good medium through which to showcase student voices. And one thing that I would really like to do uh, sort of in the video vein is to explore broadcast because Sac State has a fantastic journalism program. I cannot say enough good things about it, but one downfall of it, I think, is that we don't have a broadcast major. We don't really have broadcast classes. I believe the only class that we really have that's specifically geared toward broadcast is broadcast writing. And so I would love it if we could create a space where people who are interested in exploring broadcast can come and have the State Hornet be that outlet, have that place where they can have their first stand-up clips. Um, And I think that it's something that our audience would respond well to, you know, if we put it out via Facebook Live or Instagram Live, on our website, on our YouTube. uh, I would really love to explore that medium going forward. All right. Thank you. It's been a great conversation. Um, Thank you for everything you've helped uh, me out with uh, this semester and uh, good luck next. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Bye.